0: So today we're talking about breaking the cycle and today we're going to tackle the issue of lack. And and I'm excited about this because we've never really talked a whole lot about lack. And the Bible talks about having lack. And the Bible's very clear on how to deal with lack and where where and what lack really means is just that when whenever you look around at whatever your hands are on, nothing just seems to be working. Your crops aren't growing. Your, your your beans aren't coming out the ground, your calves ain't having babies, I mean, whatever. Your your job's not working, something's not that's called lack. And the Bible talks about that. And it's very clear when it comes to lack. And there's actually a solution to that. And if you if you know something about the Bible, that the Bible's very practical. It's actually the words of life. God gave us the Bible. To give us victory in life. If we'll just simply read the Bible, we can live and apply it. We can live a victorious life. And it's very simple. It's not too deep that we can't understand it. And so what God has done is he's given us some very basic principles or practices that if we'll do our part and apply them to our life, he'll come in supernaturally and do his part And we'll see miracles happen all around us just by simply obeying what the Bible says very simply. It's not complicated. God's put it here. It's in here. You know the Bible, if you get in a fight with your friend, you know the Bible tells you how to fix that? The Bible says that before the sun goes down, go to them and ask for forgiveness and bring restoration before the sun goes down. Why? Because if you spend the night sleeping on your frustration... You're not going to sleep. Go get in a fight with your best friend to see if you sleep that night. Nobody sleeps. There's no peace, right? The enemy comes in and he begins to work on you and he begins to deal with you and he begins to, to pry and he begins to lie on you and he's trying to get you to believe lies. The Bible simply says, just go to him before the sun goes down and make it right. That's what the Bible says. Very practical. It's full of those things. How to raise your kids, how to love your wife, how to respect your husband. Super principles, just super basic principles the Bible gives us. And if we'll just apply them to our lives, we'll live a victorious life. So there's some basic things that make up the core of our Christian life. And it's simple things like prayer, faith, Bible reading, the Holy Spirit and giving. Those simple things make up the core or the foundation of your Christian life. And if you'll just simply read what the Bible says and apply those things to your life, then you'll begin to live a life that's just victorious. You'll have a great time. So today we're talking about lack and how to break the cycle of lack. Did you know the Bible talks about prayer 500 times? Did you know the Bible talks about heaven and hell 500 times? Do you know the Bible talks about money, possessions, and riches 2,350 times? Maybe it's an issue. Maybe it's important. Maybe God knows what he's talking about. Right? If we'll just do what the Bible says, we can live victorious in all kinds of places. And I want you to understand something because I'm going to talk about tithing this morning because tithing is how we break the cycle of lack. And some of you go, oh, that's great. I come to church for the first time or I ain't been to church in six months and the pastor is still... Some of you didn't come to church Says this time last year, you heard me preach a message on money and you come again this year and you're like, is that all he ever talks about is money? No, you just missed all the other good sermons too. Just picking on you. But I thank God for the people in my life who were good examples of, of, of spiritual stewardship or financial stewardship. I've had some great examples in my life. My grandmother... My grandmother was old school, baby. She had a roll of cash with a rubber band around it, and she hid that in her little closet. Come on. She was rolling with cash. The banks could fall. It didn't matter. She had cash. And I'd watch grandma pull that rubber band off, and then peel them dollars off, right? And she'd stuff it in her envelope, and then, boy, she'd put that, she'd put that in her Bible, and then we'd go to church, and she'd take that out, and when it was time to tithe, she'd put it in the basket. I watched that from when I was little bitty and could first understand what was going on until I was actually out of the house and I saw her just continue to do that, continue to do that. I had a great uncle who was one of the greatest giving or or the most generous person i probably ever met. He was a secret agent for God. He was an old oil field hand back in the day when Texaco was big and he made a lot of money working for Texaco way back in the day. Lost a couple of fingers, didn't sue nobody. They didn't have workman's comp, none of that stuff. They just said, go fix yourself. And when you come back, we'll we'll give you your job back. And so, but he was generous. He would drive around in an old beat up Volkswagen car. Most of the time he had a push mower in the back. And he would drive around all day when he retired, he would go around all day and he would sneak a blessing on people. He had a tractor with a box blade that he would drive around and if he knew somebody had a rock driveway, he would go over there and while they was at work, he was going to sneak a little blessing on them and just grade off their driveway. He was generous. When the church, how many of you grew up Baptist? How many of you remember the Lottie Moon offering? You're only a real Baptist if you remember the Lottie Moon offering, right? Listen, my uncle would sit back and he would let the church give as much as they could. And then he would step in And he would fill the gap. Because, you know, they would put that board up there to make you convicted every Sunday that you didn't give. And if the board didn't quite, you're like, oh, God, I didn't give. Oh, my goodness. Uncle Melvin would come in and he would just make that up. That's the kind of guy he was. That was the examples in my life of giving. Never complained about it. Never had an attitude about it. It was a principle that both of them applied to their life. And they put it into practice. And they never had lack. It seemed like everything they had, God was turning into gold. They had difficulties. They had hard times, but the process kept going. I thank God for those examples in my life because when I got to be on my own and Cheryl and I started our family, I started tithing myself. And I haven't quit. I've been tithing for 17 years. I don't miss. I don't miss because of the examples i've seen and since growing up with those examples god's proven himself time and time again in my life through money i've actually grown in faith more through money than i have through just reading the bible or anything else god's just shown me through money and possessions how he works and how he operates when we put him first so the question is this morning is will we love and trust money or will we love and trust god Jesus said, Jesus actually said this, there's really only two gods in this world. There's God the Father, and there's money. The Bible says that. Jesus plainly said that there's two gods in the world. There's money, and there's God. And we have to make a decision on which one we're going to serve. And here's the secret. You can't serve both of them because one day, one of them is going to require something of you that's going to cause you to have to leave the other. In other words, there's going to be a crossroads one day where you're going to have to decide to either serve and love God or serve and love money and you're going to get yourself in a sticky situation where you're going to have to make a decision am I going to do what God wants me to do or am I going to do what money wants me to do there's a crossroads we all face it every one of us and Jesus is very clear about that very clear actually Jesus was the was one of the first ones to come in and in a practical way connect handling money to spirituality Jesus brought the connection on how to handle your money and how to bring it and make it a part of your spirituality. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 16, verse 10. It says this, If you are faithful in the little things, you will be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in the little things, you won't be honest with the greater responsibilities. And if you are untrustworthy with the worldly wealth, who will trust you with the true riches of heaven? You see the connection. You know what God's saying to us? If you can't handle the simple thing like money, how am I ever going to trust you with, world, with kingdom things, with kingdom responsibilities, with heavenly things, if you can't be faithful with the little bitty thing you got right now? Are you seeing this? That's what that verse just said. It also says that if you're faithful with the little things, he will entrust you with more. It's not that you've got to go beat the boss up and put him in a headlock to get a raise. Just be faithful in the little things, and God will trust you with more. And the boss can hate you, but God's going to still bless you. How do you know, Pastor? Because I've seen it happen in my life. How many of you know Money Talks? Come on, Money Talks, right? What does it normally say? Goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs> right? Come on. You know how it is. Get, get yourself a $100 bill. Put it in your wallet. And wait till you break it. Soon as you break a hundred, it disappears. Right? Money always says goodbye, but money always makes promises too. You know, money always promises us what only God can give us. Money promises us security, but it can't give it to us. Only God can give it to us. Money promises us freedom, but money has never set anybody free. Only God's really set somebody free. Money promises power, but financial power isn't nothing compared to kingdom power. Come on, somebody. Money promises us significance. Only God can give us significance. Amen? Money makes promises it can't keep, but only God can keep. You know what's crazy is we're all going to face death one day. And I don't know about you, but everybody that I've been there with them on their last couple of days, they ain't talking about money. They're not talking about their possessions. What are they talking about? Their relationships, right? Their children or their wife or their husband. The things that really matter. Those are heavenly riches. I heard a story the other day about this guy, and he was, he was madly in love with money. Money was his God. And he was good. He was good at earning money. He was good at stacking it, saving it. He was frugal. In fact, he was tight. His wife didn't like it because the kids couldn't get anything. She couldn't get anything. But he had this big old nest egg of money. And he, he got his significance from that. And he got his pride from that. And he'd tell his buddies how much money he had in the bank or in the different investments. And then he got sick. And then on his deathbed, he's, he's a few days away from dying, he looks at his wife and he says, listen, baby, there's one thing I want you to do when I die. And she was like, what is it? He said, I just want you to bury me with all my money. And she was like, you got to be kidding me. All this time, you've been tight, stingy, can't get a new dress, fussing every time I get a new pair of shoes, and you want to die with your money? But being the good wife that she was, she agreed. And so a couple of days later, the guy dies. And at the end of the funeral, she's the last one to come up to the body, and she reaches in her pocket, and she pulls out a check, and she puts the check in the casket and closes the casket. She honored him. (laughs) He just ain't going to cash it. (laughs) Say he ain't going to cash it. (laughs) See, there ain't no banks in heaven. (laughs) He ain't going to cash it. He wanted to die with his money. Money promises all kind of stuff that it can't keep. But let me clarify this, because there's been some preachers that have come out and said, God wants you to be broke. Listen to me. God doesn't have a problem with you having money. God doesn't have a problem with you having possessions. The problem starts when those possessions and those money have you. God wants to bless you. He wants to pour things out on you. He wants to give you things. He wants you to be wealthy. He wants you to be rich, but he wants to stay number one in your life the whole time. Are you hearing me? And if you'll keep him number one in your life the whole time, he'll make you rich more than you could ever be rich on your own. Amen? He just doesn't ever want to be replaced by what you're falling in love with. You know, what's what's crazy is that money is a good tool, but it's a horrible God. Right. It's a horrible God. It just never shows up. It's never there when you need it. So let's talk about breaking the cycle of lack. I want you to go with me to the book of Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. And, and the word Malachi means my messenger. So Malachi's name even means that he is my messenger, God's messenger. It's the last book in the Old Testament. This is the last voice in the Old Testament. And so Malachi was there and he was with God's people. And when Malachi looked around, he saw everything failing. Crops were failing. Livestock was failing. Businesses were failing. Things were just failing. And Malachi was just like, man, what's going on? Why is this happening? And God gave him a word for those children, for the children of Israel to get them out of the the cycle of lack. And so we find that in Malachi chapter 3, starting in verse 8. I want you to hear these words. I'm going to stay here mostly, but I'll skip around a few times. But Malachi 8, chapter 3, verse 8, it says this, should people cheat God? Now, some versions of the Bible say rob God. Should people cheat God, yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. You're under a curse. For your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Your crops will be abundant, for I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not fall from the vine before they are ripe, says the Lord of, of heaven's armies. Then all nations will call you blessed, for your land will be such a delight, says the Lord of heaven's armies. Are you seeing this? When you don't tithe and give offerings, you're under a curse. That's what the Bible just said. It's not my words, God's words. But when you tithe, you break the cycle of lack and God opens the windows of heaven and he lets enough leak out that you can't even contain it. And all the nations are going to call you blessed. And what you put in your hands to is going to work. And it's going to prosper. And it's going to succeed. Right? That's what the Bible says. It's an ancient biblical practice. It's called the practice of tithing and giving offerings. It's an ancient biblical practice. It's a simple thing. A tithe is really just 10% of whatever you bring in. Anytime you increase, you give 10% to God first. And we're going to talk about it, but it does all kinds of things for you. You have no clue what that 10% does for you. I had a boss that one time I worked for and I invited him to church and he started coming to church with me and him and his family. And, and he never really gave his life to Jesus, but he heard a tithe message one day and he started tithing. And he, he came to church for about three or four months and then he, he, he quit coming to church and we still worked together. And he called me Blue back in those days. I have many nicknames, but he called me Blue. He said, say Blue. He said, you know, when I was going to church and I was paying that tithe thing. You know, I always had money left over. He said, but since we quit, and I can't make ends meet. Just like that, just very simple. I went, really? So let me tell you why. (laughs) And I helped him understand the biblical principle or practice of tithing. Remember, Jesus said there's two gods in the world, God and money. How do you know if you're worshiping money? This is gonna hurt if you're not tithing. I got to tell you the truth. I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. If you're not tithing, your God is money. I love you. (laughs) Tithing breaks the cycle of lack because it puts God first in your life. It's not a money issue, so get over that. It's a priority issue. It's greater than your money. It has everything to do with your heart and not your wallet. Because when you tithe, God gets a chance to see your heart. And when you give him the first fruits of your increase, you say to him with the loudest voice ever, you are number one in my life and everything else comes after that. Tithing tells God that you're my God and money's not. Why? Because you got to put, it takes faith to tithe. Come on, somebody. It takes trust to tithe. Some of you are scraping by on 100%. You're like, man, pastor, you crazy. You want me to start giving 10%? No, I don't want you to. God does. In fact, he he believes in it so much, he actually says, try me. Put me to the test. Only time in scripture he ever says that. Test me. Most of us were raised up and a mama would look at us and say, boy, you tested me, boy, you better not test me. Listen to me, you can test God this time. You won't get in trouble. You might just get blessed. Amen? It's a priority issue more than anything else. You know what's what's funny, and I've learned this about tithing, is that tithing builds a confidence in you with God. Tithing builds this boldness inside of you. So, So watch this. Because I tithe. Okay, Pastor Jamie and Cheryl go through tough times, just like all the rest of you. Okay, just because my name's, I got a preacher before my name or pastor, doesn't mean I'm exempt from anything. It actually just puts a bigger bullseye on my back. But we go through hard times. Because we tithe faithfully for 17 years, I've got a confidence in me that, that what this says, I believe that this is God's breathed word to us, and it is true. And if he doesn't keep Malachi 3, then he's a liar and nothing else in here is true. I believe that. So when things get tough for me and Cheryl, because we tithe, I can stand up and with confidence look to God and say, Lord, I tithe. I haven't missed a tithe and I've given offerings, Lord, above my tithe. So now I just want to remind you, uh, you remember in Malachi chapter three, Lord, you know, verse eight, and I'll read it to him. Lord, you said, I just want you to know I'm not cheating you. Lord, I just feel like the windows need to open up a little bit more. But if I'm not tithing, can I do that? What do I do? I usually end up getting into a place where I start complaining and griping. I'm going to church. I serve in children's church. I do this and I do that. And I'm broke, busted, and disgusted. Seriously, you ought to be a pastor. Pastor. There's people like that in this church. No, not in this church. (laughs) Come on, y'all. Y'all know better than that. But listen, I want you to understand something. It's a simple thing. If we'll make this fine adjustment, if we'll just adjust this one thing in our life, I don't want your money. I want your heart. God doesn't want your money. He wants your heart. Are you hearing me? It's really not a money issue. It's really a heart issue. Amen. I've heard a lot of folks say. There's been lately a lot of people saying, well, you know, pastor, this is people that have an issue with tithing. Well, you know, pastor, tithing is under the law. And and the Bible says, you know, tithe, that's old testament, Pastor. Come on, you gotta get up, you gotta keep up with time. Tithing. tithing is old testament. You gotta, you gotta understand this, Pastor. I don't tithe because it's under the law, and the Bible says I'm no longer under the law. And I usually respond with really and I usually go, Well, how's that working for you? Because normally those people aren't blessed. I say, Well, let me tell you something first, though. Before you go on believing that lie tithing came before the law back in abraham's day abraham had just won a great victory and he gathered up all the spoils from this victory and he was so overwhelmed that he had this victory that he went back home and he took a tenth a tithe of that victory of the spoils and he brought it to a to a person called melchizedek which melchizedek was a representation of jesus It was a figure in the Old Testament who was a representation of Jesus. He brought that to Jesus and laid it at his feet and and, and praised him and thanked him for giving them victory. That was way before the law. And then in the law, the Bible says to tithe in Leviticus. And then it's after the law. It's actually in the New Testament. Let me show you. Jesus talks about this. So tithing was before the law, in the law, and it's after the law. Look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 23, verse 23. Watch this. What sorrow awaits you teachers of religious law and you Pharisees? Hypocrites. (laughs) You know, only Jesus can do that. I mean, he can just look at some religious person and say, hypocrite, and get away with it. If I did that, I'd be in trouble. Hypocrites, for you are careful to tithe even the tiniest income from your herb gardens. (laughs) But you ignore the more important aspects of the law justice, mercy, faith. He's saying this you tithe the little bittiest portion of your income, and you're diligent to do that, but you're mean. You have no mercy. You have no justice. Jesus was getting at the Pharisees about something. Watch what he, how he finishes this up. He says, you should tithe. But you do not neglect the more important things also. In other words, tithe and be nice. <laughs> Give a little mercy, a little justice. Amen? So, if anybody ever says to you, you know, a tithing thing, it's under the law. You go, yes, it is. It's under the law. But you got to know it was before the law. It was in the law. And it's after the law. Somebody asked me that question the other day. (laughs) I go, are you serious? The tithe question again? I'm like, come on, man. But you know what they're really saying to me? I have a problem letting go of my good, hard-earned money. You know what else they're saying to me? That God isn't the reason I'm able to earn money. It's all because of me. You see in this? That's what not tithing looks like. It looks like pride. It looks like arrogance. It looks like I don't need God. Every now and then I buy my kids some candy. You know, we go to the... You gotta you gotta like finance to go to the show now, right? I mean, you gotta like save your money to go to the show. I mean, a family of five to go to the show is way over a hundred bucks. Okay, so the show better be good. You hear what I'm saying? We went and seen this this stupid show a while back, Wreck It Ralph or something. I want I want to leave and choke somebody. I'm like, is that even? You charge me for that? But well, we go to the show and we all we all we me and Cheryl always get this big old thing of popcorn and she drowns it in butter and I wait to eat the bottom because it doesn't have so much butter on it. And we get this big old Coca-Cola, right? And then the kids get to get a drink and they get to get a candy. And so I'll watch what my kids get on the candy, you know, because I got my salty, and then I gotta get my what? My sweet, right? So I hurry up and down a bunch of popcorn and I'm watching them making sure. And if they got Skittles. It's own, Right? So I'll sit next to the one with Skittles. And i look at him, I go, hey, give me some Skittles. And they go, Mm. I'm like, give me some Skittles. Mm And they hold it over here. They're like, mm. I'm like, you bought give me some Skittles. They're like, no, Dad. I'm like, kidding me? And you know what I say to them sometimes? Who bought them Skittles? You did? Did you use your money on them Skittles? No. Do you know I could take them Skittles right now and you would be embarrassed? Do you also know I could pull this little black card out of my pocket, my debit card, and I can go buy enough Skittles for you to swim in? Do you know that? Mm No. Now give me some Skittles. But then... and then Cheryl steps in. baby, get off the skittles. I'm like, let's want some skittles. You know, when it comes to, to finances and riches, God looks at us and he gives us the ability to earn money. He gives you the ability to get your lazy butt out of bed and go to work. He gives you a job. He gives you the ability to do the job. He gives you wisdom to keep the job and to excel in the job. He breathes on you in your job and he gives you the ability to earn money. And he says, give me 10%. And we go, Uh Uh-uh. He's like, give me 10%. No. Give me 10%. You know why I know God says that? Because he says it every Sunday morning. We preach a tithe message every Sunday morning. And still only 22% of the church tithes. Give me your tithe. Uh Uh-uh. Do you know I could take your money? Listen to me. I want you to understand this. Don't ever be naive and believe that God can't take everything that you have. Don't you ever get so wrapped up in yourself that you think God cannot take what you have. And then don't be naive enough to believe that if you give him your 10% that he doesn't have enough for you to take a bath in it. Amen. It's the same way. We act the same way when it comes to tithing. So let me wrap this up. Let me give you. Let me give you three things that tithing does for us. And you got to remember this. You may need to write this down. God, is, God always wants more for you than he wants from you. I'm going to say that again. God always wants more for you than he wants from you. If that wasn't true, he'd be asking for 90% and expecting you to live off of 10. Number one, tithing provides for God's work through his church. Tithing provides for God's work through his church. Malachi 3:10 says bring all the tithes into the storehouse so there will be enough food in my temple. The word storehouse in the Old Testament is a new word for the local church today. So that word is still true for us today. So you just take storehouse out and you put in local church. So the tithe goes into the local church where people can get fed. In the Old Testament, it was natural food. Today, it's spiritual food. You came to church and you expected me to feed you with God's word. And I hope you're eating filet mignon this morning. I hope so. That's what I'm trying to serve up as a little filet mignon. I ain't over here with no seven steak. Or no baloney. Come on. Tithing provides for God's work through his church. Do you know because you tithe, people, several thousand people, have been saved in our family of churches this year? Do you know because you tithe, there's children right now being taught the living word of God? It's not a glorified babysitting event that we have. There's an actual curriculum and there's there's a laid out plan for every time the kids come. Do you realize that? Because you tithe, we're able to do that. Because you tithe, we're able to give to missions in Kenya, in South Africa. Do you know as a church, everything that we bring in as a church, we give away 10%? Because we don't feel like we can get up every Sunday morning and preach tithing and giving 10% away if we don't practice it ourselves. 10% of all of our income, first thing out the door. It's given away to local missions and missions abroad. Because you tithe, there's children in Kenya that are getting educated, fed, cleaned, and clothed because you tithe. Amen. Because you tithe, there's, there's a family of churches in South Africa that are planting churches all over South Africa and they're preaching the word of God because you tithe. Some of you, since you've come to this church, you've given your life to Jesus. Think about this. Because people tithe, you can come into God's storehouse and get fed some spiritual food that'll make your marriage better. It'll make your parenting better. It'll introduce you to Jesus. It may break some bondages and some curses off of you. Come on, somebody. Because people tithe, you can come in and get fed. Right? And people are coming to Christ. Because you tithe. Because tithing provides for God's work. Number two, tithing increases my faith in God. It increases my faith in God. Tithing breaks the power of self reliance. Your job is not your source. God is. When God is your source, your job can come and go. But God remains the same. He's immovable, unshakable. He's always there. He's ever faithful. Never turning his back on you. Your job will come and go. But God remains the same. Your source is God. That's where your faith comes in. Let me continue with verse 10. It says, If you do, says the Lord of heaven's armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it. Put me to the test. Listen to me. God says to test him. I say, I double dog dare you. I dare you to test him today. And see what he does. He has to. He put it out there. If you do. Malachi 3.11. I want to read this from the New King James Version. It says, And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fall to bear fruit, or fail to bear fruit in in the field, says the Lord of the hosts. God's not only going to bless you, he's not only going to open up the windows of heaven, he's also going to come in and he's going to rebuke the devourer for your sake. What does that mean, pastor? That means your tires are going to last longer than they should. Your car is going to run better than it should. Even your Chevrolets. Hey, that's a miracle every day. Just being straight up. He's going to rebuke the devourer. You know what that also means? And I've seen this work time and time again. I've seen this work with Steve. They've threatened to take Steve's job several times offshore. i never forget he called me one time. Hey, Pastor, they, they, they want to bring me in and they, I think they're going to move me. I don't know if they're going to get rid of me. And I was like, Steve, man, just hang tight, bro. This is true. Keep going, Steve. You tithe, brother. Have I told you that? You tithe. God's got you. You still got a job? Uh, He actually worked over. He was supposed to be home last week. They're giving him extra work. Come on, somebody. Right? That's God rebuking the devourer for your sake when you tithe. And like I said earlier, when things get scary and things get tough, if you tithe, you can stand up in front of God and say, Lord, Malachi 3, you said it. You know that's another simple practice that we need, to, we need to start putting into practice as Christians is confessing the word of God. Most of us don't have a problem confessing the negative things. Girl, let me tell you. Go to the beauty shop. Girl, let me tell you. Girl, that Them people trying to take my husband's job. They trying to do this. Oh, the bank's calling. Oh, this happened. Oh, that. We'll make all kind of confessions that won't get us anywhere else. If we'll just shut up with that and just begin to say, Lord, Malachi 3, windows of heaven, you better take care of the devour. Are you hearing me? You see, because I tithe, I can say that with confidence, with no hesitation. I can put pressure on the promises of God because if God says, if you tithe and give offerings, I'm going to do this. Then if I'm doing mine, he got to do his. If he doesn't, he's the greatest liar in history. Are you hearing me this morning? That's why he boldly says to try me, to test me. Amen? There was this guy named Alex years ago back in the early 1900s who got saved and he, he was, one day was going along, and somebody gave him a pamphlet from D.L. Moody, and it was about uh, money and tithing. Somebody just slipped him a pamphlet, and he read it, and they had a verse in there from Genesis that talked about tithing off the first fruits. So Alex started tithing. He read that thing, got convicted, and he started tithing. And Alex was a businessman, a young businessman. You may know him. His name was Alex Kerr or Alexandra Kerr. He was known for the Kerr bottles. How many of you know what the Kerr bottle is? One of the greatest selling glass bottles or jars that there is it's a Kerr bottle still to this day that was Alexander Kerr and he had this plant where he would build these jars and one day he was away from the plant he was in another city and he got a telegraph I would say a text message but this was back in the 1900s he got a he got a telegraph that said the city there was a great remember the great San Francisco earthquake this is in history by the way the, the great San Francisco earthquake back in the early 1900s. Anyway, the city caught on fire after the earthquake. And the city's burning. And he gets a telegram that says, The city's on fire. Your business is going to be destroyed. And immediately, he quoted Malachi 3. He made a confession. He confessed God's word over his plant. A week later... Or a couple, yeah. A week later, he gets another telegraph: the whole city burned, a mile and a half in every direction from your plant. But your plant didn't even have one board, one board burned on it. What's crazy is, is he had the most explosive, inflammable plant in the city. And everywhere around him for a mile and a half around his plant was burned. And his building didn't have enough. God rebuked the devourer. He made a confession. He wasn't sitting, oh God, my plant's going to die. God, I'm going to lose everything. How does that honor God? I bet when he stood up and he said, God, Malachi 3.8 and 10. And he quoted that scripture. I bet God went, hmm, y'all saved that plant. Not even a board was burned on his plant. Let me wrap this up. Number three, tithing teaches me to put God first. Deuteronomy 14, 23 says, doing this will teach you always to fear the Lord your God. Tithing is constantly putting God first in your life. Constantly, Whenever you get paid, you tithe. Whenever you get increased, you tithe. And you're constantly saying to God, you're my God, money's not. You're my God, money's not. I fear you. I don't fear the lack of money. I fear you. I don't fear the lack of anything else. You're my God. That's what, that's what it does. Amen? That's what it does. Whatever it takes to realign your life with God, do it now. When you tithe, you activate the promises of God. I challenge you to make open confessions about God's promises. Learn how to confess his promises when things rise up. I challenge you to do that. I challenge you to start tithing. I challenge you to trust God with your 10%. Because this is how it works. This is the way God set it up. You make the initial. God comes in and does his part. You tithe. Windows come open. Devour gets rebuked. When you we start. We just simply do what he says to do. And then we back up. And he does what he has to do. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching to you from experience this morning. I'm a tither and I'm a giver. And I'm dang proud of it. My children will be givers and tithers. In fact, they already are. When they babysit and they make $8.00. 10%, 10%, baby, first off the top. You know why? Taught them. Example to them. Showed them. Taught them. I don't want you to live under a curse anymore. It's time to come out from underneath that rock.